All right. Thanks, Dad, for saving our bacon, except for the stuff you ate. <laughs> Come on. How many of you guys uh, are appreciative of Dad saving our bacon from time to time? Yeah? I don't know who was following me around with the camera, getting me on camera, doing all that amazing stuff with my kids, but uh, I really appreciate it. Just kidding. I, am, I don't look nearly as cool, uh, or I actually don't bother saving my kids. So I, I'm, I'm part of that school of thought of like, I want them to go through their knocks. You know what I mean? So every kid needs to get run over by a car at least once. Am I right? Come on. It builds character. No, I'm just kidding. I'm teasing. If you really know me, you know, I'm like the biggest warrior in the whole world. So I'm always like anticipating two or three steps ahead, how my children could be injured and uh, trying to prevent it from happening. But so excited to be here today. I am I love being at church every week, but I, even today, I just feel a little bit more excited. And I promise it has nothing to do with the beef jerky that I get after service as a, as a father. Uh, and if you're a dad, we have a gift for you. And yes, I gave away the surprise. So you can just anticipate that it's beef jerky. I think they even had like salmon jerky and venison and beef and different flavors. So pretty cool. Well, welcome to Joy Church. My name is Jake. I'm the lead pastor here along with my wife, Bethany. And uh, I just want to say welcome and uh, thanks for being here. If this is your first time, we're so glad that you came to Joy Church today. And I really believe for all of us today that are here, God's going to do something really special. And uh, Father's Day is a really, really special day, really exciting. And I can't wait to share with you the word message that I believe God has put in my heart for you today. But before we do that, I wanted to jump in and just share a little update on our building project. How many of you are excited about our Skate World <laughs> building project? Yeah, really exciting. And uh, I went a little bit more in depth in first service, but I'm going to keep it short so we can get you out of here to go eat your steak today or whatever it is. How many of you are going to eat some meat, right? I, I don't even care what it is. We could hit a roadkill. I just want to eat meat, you know, on Father's Day Ugh, and just grunt, you know, like Tim the Toolman Taylor or something. Ugh, just make sounds like that. So real men do. Um, but uh, before we jump in on Father's Day and talk about that, I want to share a little bit about Skate World. And for those of you that maybe don't know what's happening, Joy Church has actually purchased or is in the process of purchasing the former Skate World building there in Springfield right on I-5. And uh, we're, we're, we're really believing God is leading us there to not only build a church building where we can gather and uh, do what we do here on Sundays and throughout the week, but also to build an indoor children's play structure that'll be open throughout the week to really bless and serve families and children in our communities. And there's just so many really cool things we can do with that that I'm really excited about. But as you know, a couple weeks ago, I shared with you that we were about $400,000 short of what we needed to, uh, what we needed to come in. And uh, we, honestly, there was a lot of pressure, um, you know, just really feeling like, God, did you lead us into this, up to this Red Sea and, and it's not going to part? Like, are, what are we doing? You know, we're only a three-year-old church. Three years ago, we were meeting in a living room and there were about 20 of us on really uncomfortable chairs. So you can thank that group that you have these wonderful, comfortable chairs now. But don't worry, you're going to get your opportunity to sit on uncomfortable chairs. So, um, <laughs> I mean, I don't know if that's going to happen or not. But uh, just feeling like, God, are you leading us into a box canyon? Like, what's going to happen here? Are we going to be able to really do what we feel you've called us to do? And uh, so we sat down and the elders and leaders, we've all been praying. I know you guys have been praying. We've been seeking God, just believing God. And how many of you know there are two different types of miracles? There are high-speed miracles and slow-speed miracles. High-speed miracle is like, God healed me. You know, my head was decapitated and all of a sudden it was back on. High-speed miracle, right? No? Okay. Not happened to you? Anyways, there's high-speed miracles. Like God does stuff like this. You know, yeah, there we were. We needed this money and a million dollars came in at the 11th hour. Like it's a high-speed miracle. But then there's slow-speed miracles. 
Slow speed miracles sometimes are even better than high speed miracles. Slow speed miracles are where you're trusting God, you're trusting him, and it's coming in bit by bit by bit by bit by bit. And all of a sudden you look back and you're like, man, I'm not the same person I was 10 years ago. My marriage was on the rocks and now 10 years later, it's not. And what happened? There was not a defining moment of a high speed miracle, but God was doing something all along. And so I believe God's been doing a slow speed miracle with our building project. And this last week we got together, Pastor Mark and Bethany and I, we sat down and we sharpened our pencils and we're like, okay, we're looking at this, this gap between what we have and what we need. And we believe God wants us to move forward. So we started to say, okay, do we need this? Do we need that? So we've made some concessions. So that whole comfortable chair thing, we're saving $40,000 by maybe starting with some slightly less comfortable chairs. Is that okay? Because how, okay, awesome. Yeah. Because listen, if you sit on an uncomfortable chair, it's motivating, right? Am I right? Yes. The, a derriere in pain makes your pocketbook come out and makes it rain. You know what I mean? It's, uh, I came up with that on the spot in first service. You're very welcome. We're, we're, we looked at a couple of things. We said, okay, we can make some concession with the HVAC. You know, we're not going to do anything to the outside of the building. Uh, we're going we're gonna to maybe uh, make some adjustments with some things we can get in to the building. And I am really excited to tell you guys today. How many of you want to know where we're at? Okay. So after this process, after our church has just been tremendously generous, I mean, you guys, honestly, I'm blown away. Honestly, like all of us together as a family saying, we're going we're gonna to give, we're going to pledge. Um, we, we've narrowed it down and we're only $80,000 away from what we need to get into the building. How cool is that? Amen. So the elders, yeah, come on, that's pretty cool. Because like two weeks ago, it was 400000 So really, really cool. God is faithful. He's on the move. I believe 100%. This is our our inheritance. This is where we're supposed to be. It's what God is calling us to do. We're going to be the city on a hill. 65,000 cars going by every day. Come on. I want you to hear in your mind the the laughter of kids playing in that play structure. Like it might not happen right away, but it's going to happen. Come on. Because God is moving us. And uh, I'm really excited about that. But I just want to challenge and encourage you you know, keep asking the Lord, God, what can I do to be a part of this? You might be thinking, okay, I could only give $5, $10, $100. Every single little bit really, really helps. And it helps. I want you to think about the fact that when we give, when we invest in this project, we are investing in not just the kingdom of God. Yes, we're doing that. We're not just investing in people's lives. Yes, but we're literally investing in our community. And we're saying we're turning this place that could have been a cannabis factory or some kind of like warehouse space uh, literally, one of the offers was a cannabis place, you know, which I'm not making a statement about it, whatever. Um, but I would rather it be a church that blesses kids than, than that in the community. Um, we're going to be a light in a dark place. And I'm really, really excited about that. So just, man, just keep being generous. Keep asking God, Lord, what can I, I do? You can still pledge. You can still give. But the elders got together last week and we prayed and we really believe God is saying, take the step forward. So we're moving forward, we're moving forward in this project. Really exciting. Uh, I don't know. We have graphs up here. Yeah, pretty cool. So you can see we're $84,000 away from, from being able to get in the building. Some of that money, you know, if you feel like God, you know, has put on your heart, maybe you were like, I don't know if we're going to get the building. So I'm kind of waiting to give. Well, now just trust and believe we're, we're moving forward in this project. Uh, step up because this, that, that gap, that money, 84,000, we do need that relatively soon to be able to pay double rent. Like when we're renting this place and trying to move over there and all those kind of things. But at the end of the day, guys, so exciting. So pumped about this new thing that God's leading us into. All right, well, we're gonna jump in today. And uh, we've been in a series called Follow, but we're gonna take a little hiatus, a little break on that today because I am passionate, deeply passionate about challenging and encouraging 
dads in our culture, in our society, and here, right here at Joy Eugene, to step up and be the dads that God's called them to be. And today on Father's Day, I want to share a message with you called Five Gifts a Father Can Give His Children. Now, I actually preached this message in our church once before, a couple years ago, but there was only like 40 people in the church at that time. So I thought, hey, let's bring it out of the, uh, the mothballs and bring it back out. But actually, I, I, I'm bringing this message not to save myself work uh, in study or preparation. I'm bringing this message out because I believe the Holy Spirit has ordained this message for this day. I believe that today uh, there's a dad here, or maybe not a dad, maybe a mom, maybe somebody, but God wants to speak to you in a significant way through what we're about to listen to today. Now, I'm going to forewarn you, I probably will offend some or all of you during this message, because the things I'm going to say are definitely countercultural. Uh, the things I'm going to say are definitely a little bit against the spirit and the mentality of this age that we live in, that has really come against the idea of strong fathers in their role, stepping out and being who God's called them to be. And the reality of that is um, I'm just going to be faithful and uh, uh, obedient to what God tells me to say. Are you with me? And, and I think we're going to have a good time. And yes, you're going to go inherit some steak and meat today. So guys, come on, buckle up. But I want to tell you guys, God takes the posture of a father. God takes the posture of a father. In the scriptures, when he represents himself, he's God the father. Uh, and he represents himself this way for a reason. Because there's something about, and it's not because fathers are more valuable than mothers. We know that's not true. Come on. Come on. Right? We know that's not true. But God wants to, to indicate something about his character and his nature. And it's about our response to this father figure. Now, what's happened is because the father figure in culture and society has been so diminished and so broken down, and so many people have had a, a hard time, maybe a bad father or absentee or abusive or whatever, it's hard for people to get a concept of God as father. But I just want to tell you today that God, your father, will never let you down the same way that an earthly father would. God, the father, is perfect in all of his ways. We sing a song here where we say God is a good, good father. We, say, we believe it so much, we say it twice. Come on, it's repetitive because God is, is perfect in all of his ways. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, And I will be your father, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. We've got to relate to God as father. And listen, when you connect with God as father and you get an accurate perspective of God as father, it changes everything about your life. Yes. It begins to heal the father wound. It begins to heal the parts of you that could possibly be wounded from what you experienced. Even if you had a perfect or great dad on this earth, every human dad lets their kids down from time to time, but your father in heaven never does. But I'm here to tell you today that good dads are a healthy are the keystone. They're the, the core of a healthy society. I want to read you some statistics today that I think are going are gonna to really impact you. It says uh, 63% of youth suicides are from fatherless homes, which is five times the national average. 90% of all homeless and runaway children are from fatherless homes, which is 32 times the average. If you don't think fathers matter, if you don't think there's a father factor that really counts, that really means something, you're wrong. All right. Is that clear enough for you? Okay. 85% of all children who show behavior disorders come from fatherless homes, which is 20 times the average. 80% of rapists with anger problems come from fatherless homes, which is 14 times the average. And 71% of all high school dropouts come from fatherless homes, which is nine times the average. We have an epidemic. We have a crisis. We have a problem. And the problem is fatherlessness and fathers failing, fathers being absent, fathers being abusive, fathers not stepping into their God-ordained role to be a cornerstone and be a, a linchpin in society. And, and, and listen, I mean, I don't even need notes today because I could literally just preach out of the passion and overflow out of my heart today. I'm going to use notes because I want to get you out of here on time. But 
I want to let you know that, that there, there's nothing like a father and a mother coming together, committing themselves to each other and raising a family to be the, the, the cornerstone of a healthy society. A lot of people are obsessed about political things. Oh, if we had this person in office or this person, or if we changed this party or whatever, that would fix things. If we could increase education, if we could do something with the border, if we could, you know, because Canada's really coming over. If we could, you know, if we could do, uh, if we could fix things, I was just for free. It was just fun. That was just funny. Okay, you can laugh. It's okay. It wasn't political. It was just funny. Um, if we could do all these other things, then we could fix culture. But the reality is the problem at the center of culture is the breakdown of the family. And you can point right to the breakdown of the father uh, in the center of that as a major problem. And so, you know, I believe God has a different perspective and a different idea about fathers. And I want to absolutely get into you and provoke you. If you are a man here, whether you're 80 or whether you're eight years old, or even if you're not a man, this is, God's going to speak to you. But if, for all the men, I want to provoke you today to say, I'm going to stand up and be the man God's called me to be. I'm not going to be an abusive or absentee or deadbeat dad. I'm not going to disappear. I'm not going to be a rage monster. Like I'm not going to be a failure in this area. Even if my dad was a failure for me, I'm going to be a difference maker and actually be somebody that can bear some weight, uh, not just in the kingdom of God, but also in our culture, because I want to be part of the solution, not just part of the problem. Come on. And listen, I'm just here to tell you right now, there's an epidemic of, of men who are more addicted to pornography and video games and literally can't figure out how to get up, put their pants on, go to work and love a woman and raise some kids. Come on, somebody. And we need to have some change in our culture. We need to have men raise up that say, you know what? I'm going to do things the way God has laid out for me to do them. Are you with me? Because I'm preaching good right now and I'm not hearing enough. All right. Don't leave me hanging up here. Come on, earn your stake, guys. Earn it. But I'm here to tell you when men will stand up and actually take their God-ordained role and begin to lead their family, begin to do what God has called them to do and be who God's called them to be, we're absolutely going to change the direction of culture. We're going to change the direction of communities. We're going to change the direction of families. We're going to reverse the generational curses. Just because your grandpa and your dad were a failure and were absentee doesn't mean you have to be. Come on, because your father in heaven wants to show you how to be a good dad. So today I want to tell you five things, five gifts a father can give his children. And I'm going to preach today. I'm not teaching you nothing. I'm preaching today. Okay. Are you with me? All right. Five gifts a father can give his children. Number one, give your, your kids the gift of your presence. Show up, be there, be present, give them your time, give them your ear, give them your attention. Right now we're telling our kids, you don't always have to use our, our title, daddy, mommy, like to get our attention. Daddy, 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 in the car. Mom, 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 mom. It sounds like a 50s song. Mom, 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 mom. You know, we're like, it's okay. We can hear you when you just start talking, you know. But what do our kids want? What are they hungry for? What are they thirsting for? They want our attention. They want to know that in the busyness of life in this world that we're actually listening to them that they matter. Did you know, from a business standpoint, the most valuable commodity in the world is right now? What do you think it is? Employee, time. I'll tell you what it is. Effort. Effort. Okay, these are all good answers. It's attention. It's attention. Do you know, if you can get somebody to pay attention, you can sell them something, you can, you can uh, get them to invest, you can get them to take a step forward. The most valuable commodity in the marketing and business world is attention. Companies understand this. That's why they're, they're working very hard to craft better messages. That's why more things are exploding all the time, right? To get us to pay attention. Because if you can get somebody to pay attention, they'll pay whatever it is that you want them to pay. 
And so what we understand is in culture, attention is being sought after by everything. There's all this noise, all these shows. Every day you log into Netflix and there's 10 more shows. We can't even fill the need for, for shows. So now all the shows are like subtitled. You notice this? They're like German and French shows with subtitles. You're like, I'm not watching that. Come on, I want my shows made in America. No, I'm kidding. I'm teasing. But attention is a valuable commodity. With your children, your time and your attention and your presence is so valuable. Victims of sexual trafficking here in the United States, they, they say that the way they get pulled into this life, because you wonder, how does like a 14 or 15-year-old girl from a, or a boy get, you know, from a nice home, you know, from the suburbs or something, how do they get pulled into this life? And if you don't realize this is happening, this is happening in our city, guys. This is happening here. It's not somewhere there. It's happening here. How do, how do these young people get pulled into sexual trafficking? Well, they, they say what it is, is that they're at a mall. You're at a mall. You're 14 years old. You're talking about Kim and Chloe and Courtney. And, you know, and you're, you're talking about, you know, Justin and all these people. And how many of you know who I'm talking about, right? I actually don't know these people. I had to look this stuff up. But anyways, <laughs> you're talking about, you know, this stuff. And, and it sounds like to, to, to like your parents, you know, it's wah, 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 wah. It's like, I don't care about Courtney Kardashian and what she wore to this thing. I don't care. I don't want to hear about that. But here's a 14-year-old girl. She's sitting there and she's desperate for somebody to listen to her. And so a young guy or, or somebody comes and sits down and says, hey, you know, how's it going? What's up, girl? And starts talking and all of a sudden gets their attention. And pretty soon there's a relationship that's formed. And all of a sudden that's the basis for someone being pulled into sexual trafficking. Why, as a father, would you let some creep get inside your child's heart just because they're willing to listen to them? What's more important than giving your child the gift of your presence? Come on, guys. Come on, you can't get a promotion and replace your child that's been pulled into a life of sexual slavery. You can't get the, the golf score that's gonna assuage your spirit at night when you put your head down on the pillow because you didn't show up in your kid's life. Come on. Amen. Guys, I'm not passionate about this. I'm just talking, you know, I'm just talking. We gotta get on our kid's level. It says in, in Psalms 127, children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from him. Children born to a young man are like arrows in a warrior's hands. How joyful is the man whose quiver is full of them. He will not be put to shame when he confronts his accusers at the city gates. Your children are a gift from God. So give them the best. Don't give them your leftovers. I want you to imagine if you brought somebody into your home that you really wanted to impress. You don't say, hey, come on in. We've got some, some half-eaten peanut butter and jelly sandwiches from last week. And we've got some leftover Chinese food we want to serve to you tonight. You don't do that. And yet sometimes as fathers, what do we give our kids, what do we give? Even our spouse, we give them our leftovers. I give my best to my job, to my boss. I gave my best to my friends. I gave my best to ESPN. I gave my best to World of Warcraft, right? I gave my best to all these other things. And what does my family get? My leftovers. Let it not be said here that that's what we do. Come on, give your children the gift of your presence. Just show up. Do you know how powerful just showing up is? It's really powerful. Let me tell you, when I was a kid and I was playing soccer at the really high level of like U11 soccer in the Rogue Valley, come on. You know, my dad was there. He, he was there at every game. He was our coach and he was yelling at me, but he was there. You know what I mean? Boot it! You know, my dad, he, he, he got kicked out of some of those rec league soccer games, but it wasn't because he wasn't there. He was showing up. Come on. And just being there for your kids where they see your face and you're paying attention to them. It's so powerful. Number two, give your children the gift of affirmation. Encourage and affirm your children. Tell them you love them. Tell them you're proud of them. Tell them that you believe in them. You know, when a father speaks into a child and says, I see you, I love you, you're enough, you're good, I'm proud of you. Do you know what that does? 
It's like putting jet fuel into their soul. And I believe we're living in a society that is chronically under-encouraged. You know, when you walk around, you see a lot of people with their heads down and they're, dis- they're, they're discouraged because all they ever get is how they're not good enough. They don't measure up. They're not enough. And there needs to be more fathers that step in and say, listen, I don't care what anybody else says about you. You belong to me. You're my child and I affirm you. Come on, I believe in you. I'm proud of you. I love you. Hey guys, if you're too insecure to tell your kids you love them, you need to grow mm-hmm, and you need to like step up because real men can tell people they love them. Come on. Real men can say, hey, son, I love you. Like, I'm proud of you. It's not like I'm too, I can't say that. I, it's too, it's, it's I'm too manly. That's not a sign of manliness. Come on, that's a sign of insecurity and weakness. Give your children the gift of affirmation. You see, when we do this, we break the root of insecurity. I just want to tell you right now, all of us have some level of insecurity where we don't believe we're really who we are. We don't see the value in the treasure of who God has created us to be. We don't understand our potential. I just want to tell you right now, if everybody in this room caught hold of five to 10% of the potential that God has invested in you when he created you, come on, the the world would be a different place. If you stepped out and said, I'm not going to let fear and insecurity stop me from being who God's called me to be. Now, this is where a father can come in and say, listen, I don't care what those idiots said about you. I don't care what this lying voice said about you. I affirm you. You're my son. You're my daughter. Come on, dads. My kids, you know, I put my hand on them at night. Not every night, but a lot of nights. And I push them into the bed. I go, you're my, you're my son or you're my daughter. You know, and they go, ooh, they like it. You know, the, the affirmation. I want them to, to know that their dad is proud of them. I, I grab them and I look them right in their eyes. And I say, I love you. You know, and I love the fact that my son will look right back at me. Dad, I love you. You know, he says it too. And he's growing and he's learning. You know what happens? My son will be an awesome husband for some beautiful woman someday because he won't be so insecure and emotionally distorted by having some idiot, you know, who didn't know how to actually open up and show him that it's okay to be, to be strong man, but also tell somebody that you love them. Okay. Now guys, I want you to understand if you're like, oh man, all of these things he's saying today are just roasting me. It's never too late. You could have walked in this room and been the worst father. And guess what? Today you can make a change. You could have been, you could have made a mistake, you know, with your kids. You, you, you might have had a horrible upbringing. I'm not speaking these words out of judgment. I'm speaking them with passion because I want to turn you around and say, come on, you can, from this day forward, let's do a different way. All right, the gift of affirmation. Number three, the gift of discipline. Come on, can you hear Arnold saying it? Come on, you like discipline. <laughs> I want to release a whole range of products. Arnold Schwarzenegger, GPS. Turn left, idiot, come on. <laughs> You're going to die. Target's going to close. Your wife will kill you. Turn left. You know, doorbells. I'm at the door. Come on. You know, wouldn't that be amazing? Alarm clock. Get up, lazy. You know, it'd be great. Arnold Schwarzenegger. You like discipline. Arnold, he taught us, you know, we got to believe it. We need to give our children the gift of discipline. And we've got to be disciplined about discipline. See, maybe you fall in one of these categories. Are you a rage monster? fly off the handle. Maybe you're the pushover dad, right? It's like, hey, don't do that. I want to. Okay, I guess that's fine. So I don't want to wound your spirit. Pushover. Or the disappearing dad. The minute there's some kind of disciplinary action going on and mom's doing something, all of a sudden dad's gone. You know, how many moms are like, mm-hmm, mm, mm, preach preacher. Which one are you? A rage monster, pushover, disappearing dad. Don't be one of those. Come on, we need to be present in the area of discipline. God puts you there to help shape and correct and bring some adjustment to your children. 
Now, I just want to come against what culture says right now. People are like, oh, you know, children are just adults trapped in little, you know, little bodies. No, they're not. They're little demons trapped in little bodies. <laughs> My children do absurd things. I'm like, guys, what are you doing? You know, they're like, with the knife. And I'm like, no, put that down. You know, I'm having fun with this, okay? Are you with me? We got, children need discipline. And you know, discipline actually helps you to feel like part of the family. The, the scripture says the Lord disciplines whom he loves. You know, one time my sister and I, we always were getting spankings, always. And my little brother Gino was starting to feel really insecure because he never got a spanking. And my dad noticed, serious, this is a true story. He noticed that Gino was always kind of like, I, at my part, like, so my dad found like a trumped up charge and gave him a small spanking, you know, and he, he wore it so proud. He was like so happy that he was part of the family. We got to give our kids the gift of discipline. Now, when we discipline, I want to just say this, only discipline for your children's benefit, never for your own. Discipline is not your release valve of frustration and anger. Discipline is your opportunity to channel the heart of God, to help shape another human being made in the image of God who ultimately does not belong to you. They're not your property. Kids are not your property. They're a gift from God and you are steward and shaping them, helping to release them into their God-given destiny. Come on. So I'm not, I'm not good. I'm not perfect at this, guys. I'm not preaching at you like, oh, I'm perfect here. But there's moments when, you know, I feel frustrated or enraged by the activities that have gone on, uh, whether it's fighting and yelling and screaming or breaking things or whatever, and, and, and discipline is required. But I have to step back and say, okay, let me take some deep breaths. Let me calm down. I'm not going to discipline out of anger or rage or frustration and release event, you know, frustration at my kids. I only discipline for their benefit. The other day, one of our kids tripped another one. They fell, got a cut. And I was really mad because we just said, don't be tripping. This person, you know, my kids are like tripping each other. And so they're actually getting hurt. So I just brought, uh, Jack was the one that was the trippy. He had a cut up knee and he's balling and mom's doing triage and she's using hydrogen peroxide. You get like 20 gallons for a dollar, you know, and nobody knows if it does anything, but everybody's mom showed how to use it, right? So you're supposed to use it. It fizzes. So maybe that's good. Might as well put seven up on a wound. I don't know, but... <laughs> So Jack's getting taken care of. And I just said, come here. And I brought my daughter in and said, you know, look, look. And she's crying. Oh, I'm sorry. You know, that was all the discipline that was necessary for her to see her actions had caused pain. You know, do you forgive? Yes, I forgive. Okay, give him a hug. And it was fine. We moved on. Okay, discipline for their benefit. That's why is there, there's not a one size fits all. Well, this is the only way you ever discipline this. No, it changes from time to time. You got to read the situation, but we discipline for our children's benefit, not our own. It says in Proverbs 19, discipline your children while there is hope. Otherwise you will ruin their lives. This is not just like some stupid idiot from thousands of years ago who wrote these words and they don't apply to us now. Listen, if you think you're too smart for God's word to give us some wisdom for us to lock into, listen to what's being said here. There's a window and a season of discipline that you have to show up for. If you don't, it could result in the ruining of someone's life. Do you realize there are a lot of people out there who are, who are running through life at a million miles an hour, smashing their faces into walls of stupid choices because nobody showed up in their life and said, don't do that stupid thing. Are you with me? I had a father that I'm so grateful from time to time told me what I was doing was stupid because, you know, I mean, oh, you're, you're probably so wounded. No, I'm a better person. <laughs> like, I had a dad who would get in my life and say, Jake, what are you thinking right now? Why would you do this? You know what I mean? Why would you go this way? Listen to this verse here. It says, uh, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. 
There needs to be some, some discipline, some moments where when there's a bad action, there's a consequence that follows. So you teach the idea of sowing and reaping. The idea of behavior leads to consequences. I can just tell you, our culture would be such a better place to live in if more people understood, I can't just do whatever I want without consequences. There are consequences. Come on. So we need to show up in the area of discipline. Are you with me? Amen. All right, number four, the gift of direction. I can hear father's stomachs are like, I need my steak. All right, number four, the gift of direction. Fathers, you have the opportunity to shape your children's destiny. So I want to ask you this. Are you, in, are you, are you inspiring your children with vision? Are you challenging them with opportunity? And are you coaching them with strategy? There's a story in the Bible. It's a short little story, but it's very, very poignant about a man named Adonijah. His father was King David. It says in 1 Kings chapter 1, now his father, King David, had never disciplined him at any time, even by asking, why are you doing that? Can I just tell you right now, dads, if you walked away with only one handhold, just to ask this question, why are you doing that? You get to nail a couple of these gifts right here. The gift of presence, right? Discipline, uh, direction right here. Why are you doing that? Just bringing a challenge, bringing a correction, saying you're going this way, but we're actually gonna steer your life this direction. Can I tell you, my parents, they, they would tell us things like this. Others may, you may not. They say, I, well, the Brown kids or the, or the, the, the Franklin kids or the, the, the Judson kids or whatever, they get to do this thing. And they say, well, that's great for them, but you're a Schmelzer and that's not what we do. Oh, I don't like that, dad. Well, so what? My dad had this little game he'd play. I love it. We should pick this up, guys. He would get a globe. We had a globe in our house and he would spin the globe. He'd be like, see this? You know, <laughs> see this? <laughs> spin the globe. He'd be like, you can do whatever you want anywhere on this globe, except for, you see this little place right here? This is the United States. See this little box-shaped state? That's called Oregon. See this little tiny corner of Oregon called Medford? And in that tiny little spot, there's this house. It's this one right here. And in this house, you do what I want. <laughs> Thank you, Dad. I'm just going to get it. I'm going to go buy a globe just to have one of these moments with my children someday. He did it to my sister and she was like, I remember seeing her face be beat red. She was so angry because he'd done it like 10 times. And so she knew exactly, he made her go through the whole thing, <laughs> spin the globe. It was amazing. The gift of direction, like you can do whatever you want out anywhere else, but here we do things differently. See, my parents believed in my destiny. My parents believed that there, was, that there would be more for us if they would challenge us and shape us and direct us if they would actually speak in and say, you know what? Yeah, you could go and just play video games for six or eight hours a day, but you know what that's gonna lead to? Not the, not the life that God put you on this planet to live. Come on, somebody. Now, listen, I'm just gonna offend some people right now today because I, I can tell, you know, maybe some people aren't getting this. Someone or something is influencing your kids, always. Your children do not live in a vacuum. There's always influence coming to them from social media, from school, from teachers, from people, from friends all over the place. Why should you abdicate that place of influence and direction in your children's life? Because somebody's influencing them. And I guarantee you a lot of the influences that are, that are speaking into your kid's life, probably more than even you are time-wise are negative and they don't line up with the kind of destiny you would want for your children. So I'm here to tell you that it's time for fathers to step up and say, it's my responsibility to direct my children, not to control them, to shape them to, and to direct them and to point them in a certain direction, to study them and know them enough to realize this is not 
uh, what you were made to do. Come on, to come on and say, I, I understand that you're 15 and you know everything, but, but listen, I've lived a little bit of life and here's, I'm gonna direct you a little bit in the direction you should go. Come on. And I, and I remember Bethany and I, we were youth pastors for a period of time and we spent a lot of time in youth ministry. And you know, one of the times I would get the most angry uh, in my, my life was when we'd hear people say, and I remember this one conversation with a particular mom. We said, she had a, a, a young son, like 12, 13. We said, hey, we really think you should bring your son to youth group. You know, it's an hour a week on Sunday nights and, and you know, you're free. There's no sports, whatever. Like it's, it's important to be there. And she's like, well, yeah, I just want him to like figure it out on his own. Like, I don't want to push him. And I'm like, are you crazy? He's being pushed. He's being pushed into relativism. He's being pushed into a secular worldview. He's being pushed into crazy beliefs about the fact that the Bible's a made up book of myths and all this kind of stuff. Like you get an hour a week to have a man of God and a woman of God open up their heart and disciple and mentor your ch children and you can't find it in your schedule? Where are your priorities? Well, I'm just letting him find his own way. Well, they will find their own way and it won't be the way you like. Come on, we gotta show up and actually direct our children. Do not abdicate the honor and responsibility God gave you to raise your kids. Kids need to be raised, dads. Kids need to be developed. They need to be directed. Do you know when I graduated from being directed? Never. My dad is still in my ear all the time. Hey, hey, I've been thinking about this. You should be going this direction. He always calls me. How's church? Oh, it's this. You know, how's, how's business? How's, because I have a side business. How's, how's your business going? How's, how's your, you know, family? He's always right there. And if I say something stupid, he's like, ah, no, 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 no. Jake, come on. That's not, you know, you're talking negative. That's not how you're supposed to be. He's still coaching me and directing me. You know what I don't do? Dad, I'm 34 years old and I, you don't have to tell me what to do. No, you know what I do? I listen to my father because that voice has guided me and directed me towards success and wisdom. Come on, somebody. Come on. You see, we want our children to, to like want to listen to us when we're, when we're in our 50s, 60s, and 70s. The problem is if you are ignoring them when they're seven and eight and nine, Come on, if you're not present there, why are they going to listen to you later? Somebody else's voice is going to capture their heart. Come on, be present, gift of direction, influence them. All right, number five, the gift of example. The gift of example. You getting some good stuff out of today? The gift of example. Let me ask you this. What are you modeling to your children, dads? Are you modeling a love for God's house and God's people or just a love for golf and beer? Are you modeling a love for video games and a love for, for trashy TV? Are you modeling that or are you modeling what it looks like to be a fire-breathing man of God who is gonna kick the doors down of hell and do something about this world? Come on. Are you modeling for your kids what it looks like to romance your wife? Listen, I let my kids see when I'm gonna put the moves on their mom. I come home from work. I don't mean that dirty. I'm just saying, you know, I want my kids to understand like this is what a healthy marriage looks like. I come home like, hey baby, how's it going? Looking good. You know what I mean? She's like, stop. But she doesn't do that. She's, my wife's way cooler than me. She doesn't even act like that. I'm the one that's like, stop, don't. But I'll come up and I give her a hug and a kiss and, you know, and, I'm, and I'll kiss and my kids are like, gross! And they're doing this thing. Because you know what I want them to see? What happens when they see us model a godly marriage is they, they, they see how it's supposed to be. They see that mommies and daddies actually don't just always break apart and leave and go do their own thing. They see my son sees a man who's committed to a woman for life, who's not looking for action on the side. Come on, my son sees a man of integrity who's committed to, to, to their mom and to them. And let me tell you what that does for their little heart. 
It brings security and it brings safety and it unlocks destiny. Come on, guys. But you know what? If you're too addicted to porn and too addicted to video games to actually uh, be a, a romantic with your wife and actually show up and, and be present in that moment, you're missing an opportunity. And that's what your sons are seeing. And this is why in our culture, we have a propagation and a, of brokenness and shame and bondage because men aren't waking up and saying, I'm going to be a model of what it looks like to be a real man of God. Now, listen, you might be 280 pounds and work out and have big muscles and scream and have a cool beard and like yell and be manly and get tattoos and all that. But none of that bullcrap makes you a man. Let me tell you what makes you a man. What makes you a man is when you get your life right with Christ. When, you, when he is your Lord, come on, when he leads and guides you, when every day your kids see you serving Jesus and loving their mom. What makes you a man is when you have integrity and when your word is your bond. And you don't need to sign it because people know, it, I don't need a signature, I know this is good. Come on, what makes you a man is that you actually provide for your family and you don't just live your entire life in selfish desires. Come on, what makes you a man is when you don't let laziness destroy your destiny because you're too addicted to being a level seven magic user. It's funny, but it's true. Come on, dads. You have an opportunity to change the, the trajectory, not just of your family, but to change the trajectory of this community, to change yes. the trajectory of our culture by being an example. And I just want to get into your wheelhouse a little bit here and ask you, are you a worshiper? Guys, let me tell you, there should be no little kid that out worships you on a Sunday morning in church. And worship isn't sitting there with your hands in your pocket looking like you'd rather be watching golf. You know what you look like? You look like a spiritual slug. Get your hands up in the air and worship Jesus. So your children can see that there's a king on the throne and that you know who butters your biscuits. Come on, you know. Come on, guys. Your children, well, you know, we went to church this six-week period. What the heck is more valuable than showing your children to be in the house of God? What do you want them to be like? You want your kids to be uh, I'm just, uh, I'm going to stop. Okay. <laughs> you hear what I'm talking about? Men, we need to model what it means to be passionate followers and lovers of Christ. Our, our church, you know, the, 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 even the very, uh, the church around the world, Christianity, it exists only because every generation, men and women of God step up and keep it going. Every generation, somebody has to say, you know what? I'm all into this kingdom of God thing. I'm not living for me. I'm not living for my own selfish desires. I'm not just living to, to get by or get ahead or get even. I'm living for higher purpose. I have seen a higher vision and I'm laying my life down. And when your kids see that, you know what they do? They say, my dad is a hero and I want to follow him. Let me just tell you right now where my dad is. After 38 years, he's still in Medford preaching a message and he's definitely not done yet. I guarantee you they're getting out later than we will. My dad is still modeling what it looks like to be a man of God. He's still married to my mom after 30 something years. I don't know. And he still loves her. One time my dad, he butt dialed me and I heard him like sweet talking my mom. It was simultaneously gross and awesome. Cause I heard him on there like, Hey babe, you know, you're so sweet. I just love you. And I'm like, wow, my dad is like chicka chicka bomb bomb, you know, <laughs> but you know what? That makes me feel my dad is my hero. He showed me what it looks like to be a man of God. And guess what? You better believe that Jack Schmelzer is going to be a man of God. Evie's going to be a woman of God. Penelope's going to be a woman of God because I'm going to be there in their life preaching fire. And guess what? I might get hit by a train today or something. 
No, thank you, Lord. Please, no. I might, you know, fall off a, a cliff or whatever, but, there, but I have shown them what it looks like to love Jesus. Come on. So guys, let me just ask you, are you modeling what it looks like to be a passionate follower and worshiper of Jesus? Your children, they hear your words, absolutely, but you know what they see more of all, most of all is your example. You know, I'm too tired to go to joy group. It's an hour. I, I can't, you know, we've already been to church this month. Good for you. Let me give you a merit badge. You watch TV 20 hours a week, be in the house of God. Come on, there's a demonic lie that says, well, you know, churches, you don't really need it. You don't really need to go. You need to go because your children need to have an encounter with God. I want my kids in that, in the kids class, I want men and women of God pouring into them and telling them the stories about the Bible and them feeling the presence of God because I want them to love Jesus when they're old. Come on, I'm preaching. All right. So guys, what, why would we expect our kids to become what we are not? We need to model it. And in conclusion, I just want to say this. The number one thing that we as dads can do for our kids is to know the love of God, our Father, and be transformed by it from the inside out. See, I'm an utter failure as a father. Apart from Christ, I'm selfish. <laughs> I know I had a good dad, but even that, I, let, I don't even always follow that example. At the end of the day, who I really need to look at and who I really need to get my strength from is my Father in heaven. And you need to know the love of God. Maybe you're here today and, and your father really messed you over. They were absentee. They were abusive. They were, they were whatever they were. And there's, I know that for many people, this is the story. It's just you didn't have a good representation. But God is your father. He will never let you down. He will never, he will never leave you nor forsake you. God is the perfect example and he can teach you how to be a great dad. But you got to know his love today. You got to feel his, his hand of affirmation on your life, son and daughter. You got to feel his hand on your life saying, you're mine. You belong to me. You were made on purpose and for a purpose. Come on. There's more to your story than shame and bondage and, and addiction. Come on. There's more. God has purpose for you. If, if we could just catch sight of a tiny glimpse of what God had for each and every one of us, our life would be transformed. Psalm 68, 5 says he's a father to the fatherless. Come on. Are there some fatherless people that need a father today? He's a defender of widows is God in his holy dwelling. God sets the lonely in families. He leads forth the prisoners with singing. It says in Romans uh, chapter eight, for you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. And by him, we cry, Abba, Father. God wants to invite you into his family. Come on. He wants you to get a big fire hydrant to the face of his love and his goodness. Come on. He's your father. He loves you. It says in Ephesians 3, all praise to God, the father of our Lord, who has blessed us with every blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. He decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Christ. This is what he wanted to do and it gave him great pleasure. God wanted you so much that he gave his only son. He wanted a relationship with you. He wasn't willing. There's a song that says he didn't want heaven without us. It's a beautiful thought. But God, he, he looked down at our bondage and our separation. He said, no, because he loved you. You're his child and he's after your heart. First John 3, 1, how great is the love the father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. Listen, you might be having a really bad day today, but I just want to tell you that the very, very worst day with the father in your life is better than the best day without you see, I've gone through a lot of bad things in my life. I've had a lot of pain. I've had shame. I've had sin. I've had my own stupid choices that have hurt me and hurt other people. 
But one thing that I've never missed out on is my father in heaven has always been there with his hand of affirmation in my life, present, directing me. Come on, and he wants to do the same for you. Listen, if you're here today and you're like, I want God's love. I want to I want to know my father today. I don't care if you're a man. I mean, it doesn't matter. Just lift up your hands right now. Let's just receive the father's love. Lord, right now I pray a release of your father heart for each person in this place. Right now, God, you are breaking down walls of shame, walls of bondage, walls of brokenness. The words that were spoken maybe by an earthly father that messed up. Right now you're canceling them out and you're bringing a better word and you're saying, you're my son, you're my daughter and I have great things in store for you. You have no idea the things I've prepared for you, uh, says the Lord. And God, I just pray right now you would pour out your heart for each person in this place. Lord, that we would find freedom and healing and redemption as we come to know the Father's love. Lord, I pray right now that we would be able to look past whatever example, good or bad, we had of an earthly father and connect with your Father heart for us. You are a good, good Father. Let your love and your healing pour out today in the name of Jesus. Amen. Lastly, before we get ready to go and consume copious amounts of meat, Every week there are people that are looking for answers, looking for hope, looking for life, looking for something. And the answer that you're looking for is Jesus. And honestly, I'm not some fancy televangelist with, I do have cool hair, but that's all. I mean, that's the only similarity. Who's here to just like say nice things to you and make you feel good. All I know is Jesus. All I know is Christ and Christ crucified. He's the only way, the only hope, the only answer. And I can't make sense of all the theology questions that you probably have. But you know what I can say is that when you, when you come to trust in Christ, from that moment forward, everything changes in your life and you belong to God. And so I want to invite you to put your trust in Jesus. If that's you, let's just all bow our heads and close our eyes. If that's you and you want to put your faith and trust in Jesus, would you just raise your hand so I can see today? Come on, that's awesome. That's awesome. All across this room, I want to know the Father's love. Not fake, not religion, not, not wishy-washy, like real. Let me see. Raise those hands. Who wants to know Jesus today? Awesome, awesome. Let's pray this prayer together. Pray along with me and we can all pray. Dear Jesus, I put my faith and trust in you. Please forgive me for the areas I've fallen. I've fallen short of you and your perfect standard. But I thank you for your grace and mercy revealed to me at the cross where you gave your life for me and made a way for me to be reconciled with my Father. I give you my life today in Jesus' name. Amen.